Until I was in my mid-twenties, so, you know, a whole nother, uh, you know, century ago, uh, I didn't admit to myself some of the woundedness I carried from my teenage years and high school years, the things um, that really broke me. And the unfortunate thing is by never admitting them to myself or to anyone else, I, uh, I transmitted them on to other people. The pain that I carried became the pain that I passed on to others. And I don't mean that I said I'm in pain, I mean that I made them feel pain. Um, and I like to, you know, hearken back to those years and call those the dark years. Um, the, the years that I had no idea who I was or what I was supposed to be about as a person. I felt the call to ministry, but who knows if I was serious because I wasn't really in touch with who I was. So could God be calling the fake guy that I was pretending to be all along? Um, or maybe God was calling the fake guy and pretending to be all along so God could get to the root of who I really was. But uh, I started that process, I, you know, I, I went in, I got an undergraduate degree, as you know, in religious studies, and then I started, a, you know, the program at Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, and I did two years there, and it burned me out, and I was done, and I was sure that being a lawyer was the right thing. So nothing against lawyers, I'm not throwing anyone under any buses, if you're a lawyer, I'm sure you're not the shady, ambulance-chasing type. So uh, no one would be listening. If, well, you know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but uh, so I, you know, I started to you know, think about going back to law school, fell sad, was accepted, moved back to Charlottesville, thought I would do my law degree at UVA. Uh, or I was thinking William & Mary, smaller school, different place. But in the end, uh, that was not to be, and I went back to seminary. But not before I did some pastoral counseling, and not from the side of the pastoral side, but uh, by going to see a pastoral counselor who was trained to walk me through. And I can still remember sitting in her office, and the first moment that I had that breakthrough where I was able to talk about the dark woundedness I carried from my high school years, and say it out loud. And when I first did that, it, uh, well, first of all, it, it just overwhelmed me, you know, that there was a safe place to talk about the brokenness of my own life. And then, it was only then that the brokenness in my life could begin to be healed by admitting the broken pieces of my life. Now, up to that point, because I had unadmitted stuff going on inside of me, that poisoned the way I related to everyone I knew. My family, my friends, the people that I hung out in church with, um, just about everybody. It was just poison. And I was poisoned to myself. I was poisoned to myself because... The longer we let secrets and brokenness and, you know, the, the places we know we're wrong fester inside of us, the more power they gain. The more power they gain to sneak out in ugly ways in the way that we cut somebody else's feet out from under them. Because the only way we can feel better about ourselves 
is if we can make somebody else worse, if we can take them down right at the knees. And the, I think the good news is I'm pretty much not so good at taking people out at the knees anymore. I, I think. But let's not test it. Let's not test it. Um, because I have this mind like a steel trap and I can remember people's foibles and at the worst possible moment when I need to win, and unfortunately sometimes I need to win, I can just yank that out, suck the wind right out of you. Now, I admit that to you freely and openly and I don't normally behave like that anymore, but the only way we're going to get to this next step, step five in this series, is to admit to God to ourselves, and to at least one other human being, uh, the exact nature of our wrongs. Until we admit to ourselves what is true, we are deceiving ourselves, one another, and God, and pretending to be something that we're not. I want to read to you, uh, intriguingly enough, I, uh, there's this beautiful piece uh, of Psalm 32. You have part of it in your uh, printed update, but I uh, am going to read just a tad bit more of it to you, beginning with the first verse of chapter 32 of the, the, the 32nd Psalm. Not to be confused with the 23rd Psalm, yes, you know, it's like, oh, those were inverted, is he, is, is he dyslexic? Nope, this is the 32nd Psalm, so you were, we're on the right page. Or maybe we're not, but we're going to be on the right page. Happy is the one whose offense is forgiven, whose sin is blotted out. Happy is the one whom the Lord, to whom the Lord imputes no fault, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Coming back to that. Keep that in mind. While I refused to speak, my body wasted away with day-long moaning. For day and night... Your hand was heavy upon me. The sap in me dried up as in a summer drought. When I acknowledged my sin to you, when I no longer concealed my guilt, but said, I shall confess my offense to the Lord, then you for your part remitted the penalty of my sin. So let every faithful heart pray to you in the hour of anxiety when the great floods threaten they shall not touch him. You are a hiding place for me from distress. You guard me and enfold me in salvation. Hearkening back to that second verse, in whose spirit happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no fault, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now this is the hard work of, number, uh, of, of, of step five. Step five, admitting your wrongs. Because I'm convinced we all would like to believe, or at least have everyone else believe, that we don't make mistakes. Or the mistakes we make are tiny. You know, like we changed lanes when we weren't supposed to, or, you know, we uh, maybe should have used our turn signal, or, you know, maybe that that special gesture we through to the person who cut us off was just an accident when we were lifting oh my hand got caught and only one of the fingers flew up I don't know how that happened it was this one of course hello oh, I was pointing what are you thinking you know uh, 
Now, of course, we're, you, you don't want to, you know, those are little mistakes that we're willing to make. But what about those mistakes when we said something we should never have said that eviscerated someone we loved because we could and because we were angry and because we wanted to win whatever argument. Now, I've told you all before my whole thing. There's no such thing as winning an argument. You can never win an argument. There's no winning. I don't care if you prove your point. You, you don't win. It's like dancing. You can't win with your partner. Oh, I'm going to be the better looking dancer when I'm moving around. You know, that's not the way that it works. It's a constant movement together. It's not about winning. It's about entering into the ongoing relationship. We don't want to admit our own mistakes and our own brokenness because it would force us to look at ourselves in the mirror and think perhaps of ourselves less than we are. And the truth of the matter is, we must come to a point, the journey of faith is this, coming to a point when we realize that nothing less, no one less than love itself has any right to name you. Hate can't name you. Disdain can't name you, ugliness can't name you, uh, any number of whatever, whatever, nothing less than love has the right to name you. Eternal love in the person of God. God is the only one that gets to name you. You don't even get to name yourself. So whatever you think of yourself, it's probably not as good as God already thinks of you. And who are you to think you're better than God about deciding who you are? Let me just tell you right now, that is real arrogance. Absolute arrogance to think you know better who you are than God does. I can't, I can't tell God who I am because if I tell God, God won't love me. Got some bad news for you. <laughs> God already does. And there's nothing you can admit God doesn't already know. And God already loves you in spite of it. And because of your own vulnerability and weakness, because God made you, you, the core you inside, deep inside you. Not the pretense you put on with other people. If there is one place that you should be able to be who you are, it's in this space right here. If we cannot be ourselves, if we cannot be authentic before God when we worship, when we weep, by the way, we're never singing that second song again because I cannot preach after I'm weeping in the front. So it's just not working for me. No, 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 no more. James would probably play it right after uh, the sermon because direction, direction. I was kidding, of course. No. I would say the answer is yes, that our call is to be honest with God. But it also requires that we be honest enough with ourselves. And if we already feel unlovable, if we already feel broken, Marge, if we already feel like we don't, can't possibly ever measure up to what God wants of us, if we believe that, then we have a tough time admitting to ourselves that we're not that person. At least that's my take on it. And because I can't admit to myself 
how wrong I am, how can I possibly admit to God? Because I'm not being honest. I'm pretending. Oh God, I know I'm a bad guy. It's not about being a bad guy. It's about being dishonest with myself about who I am. And recognizing that, as I said before, God is not asking of you some kind of sinless perfection. God is not asking you to get along to a place in your life where you never, ever, ever again commit any form of sin whatsoever. John Wesley believed we were going on to perfection in this life. John Wesley, the founder of United Methodism. But he believed that we were going on to perfection in love, not sinless perfection. Perfection in love in that all that we live and do and be are lived within the love of God. So if you're expecting of yourself to never make a mistake, and oftentimes that's internalized from somebody else who kept telling us in our lives all the mistakes we made. You know, someone outside of ourselves or we fell down that one time, whatever wound we're carrying, we often can't be honest about that woundedness. And until we're honest with ourselves, we can't be honest with God and with one another. So, yeah, God would really like you to be honest, but being honest is much harder than it seems. Admitting who you are. Because I'm convinced that the whole idea of creating false selves is, at least if you don't like my false self, I don't feel bad. The real me doesn't feel bad. The problem is that I start to confuse my false self with who I really am. I start to think that this facade of pastor who knows every answer to every question, ask me, I will tell you, uh, is who I am. And God's like, James, you know, get over yourself, dude. <laughs> get over yourself. You are not pastor who knows everything. You're not really pastor who knows much of anything. You are pastor who knows me. And that's all I ask of you, and that's what I need you to talk about on Sunday mornings, is knowing me. You'll get it wrong, maybe more often than you'll get it right. But you'll do it from a place of love, and I can use that. James, I can use that. That's what I hear God saying to me. Now, I could be heretical, and next week, you know, the bishop could call me and say, James, dude, we're taking that piece of paper you got hanging on your wall. It's not hanging on my wall, Bishop. It's like in a box somewhere because it, you know, it's a piece of paper. But if you want it back, it's yours. It's yours because that's not makes what makes me who I am. We can't be defined by a piece of paper, a degree, a job, a title, a rank. It can only be defined by God. But it requires this long journey of getting past ourselves. Last week it was a fearless moral inventory of ourselves being honest about who we are. This week, it's admitting. It's admitting the wrongs that we've done with the anticipation that the God who already loves us will forgive us and renew us, strengthen us, and transform us. As long as we internalize the hurt and do not let it go, it will shape the face we put out there. It will be the shape of the face of pain and brokenness not the shape of the face of love of God that is the core of who we are. I thought Richard said a really interesting thing. This is the book out of which we're basing our series, of course, Breathing Underwater. And I thought Richard said this really intriguing thing on page 48 and 49. Forgiveness is to let go of our hope for a different or better past. 
Forgiveness is to let go of our hope for a different or better past. It's past. It can't be different. It can't be better. It's done. You can see it through different eyes. Tell the story of your life. If you tell it today, and then you tell it 10 years from now through a different set of eyes, all sorts of different events that happened have a different meaning for you. If you tell it through the eyes of your pain, it's one thing. There are stories I told my counselor in the first couple of years before I had some breakthrough moments. Through the eyes of pain, I was always the victim. I was always the alienated one. I was always in the wrong. I was always the evil, dark, ugly one. And when I had the breakthrough, suddenly I saw myself more with God's eyes. In your vulnerability and brokenness, I love you, James. In your vulnerability and brokenness, God loves you too. It's got to be more than a hope that you can change yesterday, because you can't. But you can love now. If there's one thing I'm coming to know, I only have now. Could have a massive heart attack right now, it could be over. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be morbid about it, but the truth is, it could be. So I only have this breath. Every breath is grace, and I want to live that breath now. You want to live that breath now, and you want to live it fully. So don't let pretending to be somebody you're not, don't let your life be defined by this deceit that our friend the psalmist tells us in the second verse. Happy, blessed is often the word that they use, but happy is a pretty good translation. It gives you a better sense. Happy is the one to whom the Lord imputes no fault, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And Deep inside yourself, stop pretending to be someone you're not. You don't need to be that person. I don't care who told you you had to be. You don't have to be a good little boy and girl, no matter what your parents told you. God loves you anyway. And the truth is, parents do too. Otherwise, I would have stopped being loved a long time ago by those parents. But mom and dad still love me. And if you're fortunate enough to have earthly parents like your godly parent, then you will always be loved. You might disappoint them every once in a while. I know. But stop trying to hope for a better yesterday because you're just not going to get it. It's already done. So let's move on to the now. Let's admit the mistakes we've made. Let's realize that we're not the person we pretended to be yesterday. And let's stop pretending that we're that person today. Because God wants you to be you. Why would God waste eternity making you? Do you know the infinite uniqueness of each one of you in this room? There is no other one like you. No one. Some of the mystics I'm reading talk about, Bonaventure talks about how each one of us, everything in the entire universe is a vestige of God. And by vestige, a good translation would be footprint or fingerprint. If you know anything about fingerprints, they're non-duplicable. Everyone's got your own unique set. You have a unique imprint of God. Nobody else in the entire universe. 
The truth is, if Bonaventure is right, every grain of sand, every individual grain of sand is its own unique expression of the eternal goodness of God. That's a little freaky. Millions and billions of the entire universe. This is how infinitely unique God is and big God is. Everything is unique expression of God. And God could keep expressing because it's infinite. God wants to create in you all the goodness that you were meant to be. And God sees it. And you try to hide it. I try to hide it. Behind the person I pretend to be. I'm doing my best not to pretend. When I get up here on Sunday morning, <laughs> you get the raw, unfiltered James. And sometimes it is a uh, squirrel chase. That's raw, unfiltered James. Have a conversation with me sometime. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Remember, James, where we started this conversation? No, I have no idea. <laughs> but there's a squirrel. <laughs> there's a squirrel. God would so like you to admit to your faults, to be honest with yourself, with God, and find one person you can trust in the world. If there's nothing that our AA brothers and our NA brothers and our SA brothers and sisters know is that the only way they're ever going to get better is to admit the truth. Not hide it, but admit it. And then the journey of healing begins. Then they stop transmitting. Then they begin, begin the journey of not transmitting the stuff anymore. Do we all fail? Yes. Are we all going to make mistakes? Yes. Tomorrow we're going to wake up and look back at today and say, oh my gosh, I wish I had a different past, <laughs> a different or better Sunday. It's too late. Tomorrow, it's too late. Just be now. And admit to yourself and to God the wrongs. One of which is your pretense that you have to be somebody other than the person God made you to be. Because that's the greatest gift you've got to give. You can't give something you aren't. But you sure as heck fire can give who you are to every moment. And that's the way you give glory to God. That's the way you give glory to God. See, in moments like this, when I look at your faces, I just see the glow of Christ in every single one of you. You don't, I, I, if you can't see it, I wish I could hold a mirror up to you. Because it brings tears to my eyes to see Christ in you right now. I can't see it, I'm sorry, I can't see it through the uh, stream, so... If I could, I would. Uh, I tried. But the truth is, God's glory is in all of you. Let it shine. Admit your mistakes and move on. Don't let them shape you. Let the God of love name you who you are. Love.